Welcome to a podcast. I'm Mitchell Regan. And joining me after she's done, she's told me what to do with the lemons I've gotten. Explain the government's golden rule. What's that? People with the gold make the rules. That's true. Is Teresa's daughter. Hey, Teresa. Hey. How are you? If you'll notice, we have fully restored voices. We do. Which is very great for podcasters like ourselves. It really helps, honestly. Boy, do we have something in store for you today. <laughs> That's something is correct. This is a very mixed bag, in my opinion, but ultimately, I am glad that I watched it. And I will continue to show up for whatever Mike Flanagan does. Yeah, I think the only thing we never got through. So let's let's introduce today's topic. And all right, the I mean they fall already saw it. Of the House of Usher. So yeah, the very fall. very loosely, very loosely in name and a couple readings only. Yeah, and we'll go over. We'll also go over some of the references to Poe's literature and. Um, a lot of it's honestly the lifting of the the prose specifically from mm-hmm. his work to quote it directly. Um, but uh, if you haven't guessed it, and uh, if you missed our voices in a while, a podcast is a passion project from us uh, that we watch way too much television, watch way too much movies, and we always want to discuss. And now it's our job for it as much as we want. Absolutely. Nobody judges you for overworking. They exactly. use judging for watching it hell of a lot of television and movies so we uh thank you guys for listening um it's been about a week since the last time we've done one of these and shout out to ava because i know she's actually listening she's uh, been going through the list yes if you want a special shout out let me know that you've listened to all of our stuff i'll shout you from the rooftops absolutely and we'll try to do that at the beginning of the episode so absolutely it's a nice right little away. fun thing although we we really appreciate the true ones to stick all the way through to the end um if so, you want us to shout you out also ask us questions don't be like oh it was so good ask us what do you use to record what do you use it's like we like talking about it or more more than anything because one of the big things that we're trying to do with our podcast is get that engagement engagement with our listener base please please propose to us as many times as you might well more than anything um like we love the the fan base we have but i always feel that i i'd rather have like five super engaged fans than like a thousand who just you know, press a button. Yeah, which... we've been playing around with the boring promotion end of things, and suddenly we had, oh wow, 570 subscribers. That's great. And almost overnight, they were gone. And I was told that I had to fork over a bunch of money if I actually wanted my sus- subscribers to s- stay. And that's not what I want. I like the organic engagement. Right. So we're learning as we we'll go along. We'll be here as long as it stays fun. Yes, exactly. And I don't see that going away anytime soon. So that's a little update. I guess we'll jump into what we're doing here. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say just the, you know, uh, even if your engagement is like, hey, I thought your opinion was wrong. This is what I think. And maybe 
on this specific episode, this is a perfect, perfect one we for you to respond to that. So many people adored this. Right. And there's a lot to love, but there's a lot to kind of side isolate. There's a lot to love. Uh, well, Fall of House of Usher is the reason why you're here. Just listening for our opinion on it. Or you're on your way to work and you have nothing better to do, so might as well. This is, I think, the fourth and the last television series that's produced by Mike Flanagan. I think he signed a deal with Amazon, so all of his next projects will be there. Um, he's He was known for doing a lot of independent cinema movies, like he did Hush, I think back in 2016, with his now wife, uh, Katie Siegel. Um, Camille? Let's... Yes, the Esplanade, um, I think is the, her name. She's got a file on you, be careful. Yeah, apparently she never was, well, yeah. I'd uh, like to see her file on him. Uh, also, he did. he's done a couple of uh, King King projects. Gerald's like, uh, Game. Gerald's Game. That was great. Which has a lot. Katie Siegel's in it, Carlos Aguino, and also uh, Bruce Greenwood. He's the husband in it. Yes, creative types will pick their favorites and use them forever. So stay close mm. to your creatives in your life, and they will provide your meal ticket. Yeah. Yeah, King loves Flanagan's adoption. He's, he's a real big fan adoption? of Adoption? Adaptations. <laughs> Adaptation. I always do that. I always... Stephen King adopted him. That's so cute. I have, so... Uh, I have um, pronunciation dyslexia. So again, this was uh, created by Mike Flanagan. He directed some of the episodes, wrote most of them. Uh, this is eight episodes. It's all on Netflix. It came out about two weeks ago for spooky season. Um, it stars a lot of people from his other works. Other stuff he's done on Netflix was... Speaking of Star Wars. I said Star I know. Okay. It's got our buddy in it. That's Pim. Oh yeah, well we'll get we'll get to all the the actors and as the legendary Mark Hamill as uh and we're two degrees separation one degree separation from him right because go on the Eskimani vote 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 um but yeah going into the cast again he did four other um uh, ones which was the first one was the house uh on Haunted Hill. Or The Haunting of Hill House. Haunting of Hill House. The next one was The Bly Manor. Which we've got to go back and give it a try. Yeah, we didn't get to finish that one. The third one, it was... Midnight Mass. Oh, this is actually the fifth one. This is the fifth one, not the fourth one. My bad. I'm sorry about that, but it's at the beginning. It's the fifth one. Midnight Mass. The fourth one was The Midnight Club. I do want to get back to that. I, I think it's more young adult. Which might be your little bit of hesitation. Maybe. It might be more like Luke Speed, like Maybe. Like spooky for kids, more RL style. Yes. That's a that's yeah, that's uh, it was real goosebumps Yeah, so if it. you go into it thinking this is adult horror, then it's a little timid. But I yeah. think if you refocus Yeah, because the stories were kinda like goofy and uh, Well, they're kids dying of cancer, like Yeah, well that I mean that wasn't the goofy part. Oh, the... that's silly cancer. The, the horror elements were just very much like, oh, the one-eyed man who lives on the And Juno is in it. Yeah, yeah. And um, a few of the others as well. So uh, the cast, again, uh, this is the fifth project that he's done. Um, uh, Carlo Giugino is in it. Bruce Greenwood. Carlo Giugino plays Verna. Bruce Greenwood plays Roderick Usher. Verna stole the show. 
Marion McDonald, we'll get into performances and everything, played Madeline Usher. Henry Thomas played Frederick Usher. Rahul Coley played Leo Usher. So these are all the siblings. Uh, Samantha Sloan played Tamerlane Usher. Dania Miller played Victorine Lafourcade. Um, and then you have um, uh, his wife and also actress Katie Siegel, who played Camille Lasbonnet. You have Mark Hamill, who plays the lawyer for the family. Is he a Graham. lawyer? No. You play, uh, there's Carl Lumby, who plays C. August Dupin, who is the person who um, is trying to prosecute against his family because they are, spoiler alert, morally corrupt. Um, you also have just a few other characters here. I, I can't uh, go on without mentioning Ruth Cotter plays Juno, who's uh, married to Bruce Greenwood's character. Interesting, Bruce Greenwood, who plays Roderick Usher, was replaced. Uh, I mean, replaced who was uh, the actor originally cast, which was Franklin Jellop, but he had a, an investigation of allegations of harassment on set. So all of his scenes, all the Bruce Greenwood scenes, that, and I think he did a fantastic job in the movie, in the in the show. That's three shots because they shot most of that already. I think the reshoot really works because, as far as he's the the top of the house, the patriarch, fall of House of Usher, he's very separate even from his bestie sister. Sister, yeah, he is very selfish very motivated by his own means so to go and do that i'm so glad that they went ahead and took the trash out yeah yeah and um because there's a lot of women on this set we want to keep them safe well women Um, men men, anyone Uh, and and you know like there was a great child actor kaylee coran who played lenore great um, oh she was fantastic amazing it also, uh, and we'll explain this a little bit more in depth, takes place over like maybe two or three different timelines. And so you have the young version of um, Roderick played by Zach Gilford. You have his boss played by Rufus Griswold, who plays, I mean, Michael Truco plays Rufus Griswold. You also have Willa Fitzgerald, who plays the young Young Madeline, Madeline. steals the show. She's great. She is. Uh, she gives me a very, um, I hate to say it at this point, because she's crossed the the line. She's a scab now, but very um, Emma Roberts. Oh, yeah, okay. Of, like, American Horror Story right. and such. Yeah. The delivery and look is very similar, yeah. but this this one is good. Uh, I also forgot to mention, I don't know if I mentioned Mary McDonald plays the older. Madeline Usher, uh, she's kind of like the matriarch mm-hmm. of the Usher family, which is, she's the sister, but she's really, honestly, the matriarch. Roderick Usher, played by Bruce Greenwood, Greenwood is the patriarch. Um, and then uh, shouts to Katie Parker, who plays Annabelle Lee. Yes. Uh, who's uh, the first wife. And the worst marriage ever. <laughs> the first With wife that her Usher. husband and also the sister. She is in that relationship. Yeah, Maybe more than Annabelle Um, So, before going on to anything else, um, do you kind of want to give... Uh, I want to let our listeners know that our TV's a little haunted at the moment. It's just the, the PlayStation <laughs> shut off. Um, do you want to give our listeners maybe a little bit of a rundown of 
what the story is about. So, basically, Madeline and Roderick Usher want to change the world. Yes. It's a simple thing, and boy, do they do it. They never said they wanted to change it for good, and they stand by that the entire time. There's no redemption arc here, fellas, folks, ladies and gents, they, them, and non-binary pals. No lesson is learned, except for Pym. Pym takes his lumps. So, like, what, what happens from, like, beginning to end? Okay, beginning to end, they are the supplier, basically, of the opioid epidemic and yes. pills. Um, so I appreciate the lens this is taking, focusing on it. It's a very bad issue that, um, is killing the nation, um, worldwide, really. Painkillers are a very tricky business with, and you'll know with chronic pain patients, they never want a zero. This is to erase pain. This is to get you to a zero. Pain patients just want to live. They just want to be so they can get through their next moment without excruciating, debilitating pain. And the company that they're running is called Fortunato Pharmaceuticals. Yes. And what's the name of the pill? Ligodome. Ligodome. Yep. So Ligodome, perfect. Zero pain. No pain, no problems, except for later on when she wants to get off of it. And he's like, well, you know, it's no side effects, not addicting, but all of this will happen. So what happens to all the kids? They'll die. Okay. And we find this out the, the, Um, the beginning, right? Yes. He's being interviewed. So by... The guy that's been trying to take him down the entire time. uh, You know, I don't do names. That's fine. I know a few names. I got maybe the siblings' names down. So he, he, uh, Roderick, Roderick, (laughs) Roderick, I'm going to do that a couple of times, I bet. Roderick Usher invites August Dupin Dupine. Yes. To where again? The original house. Where they grew up. Yes. Where him and Madeline grew up. So the uh, beginning of it? Terrifying. Terrifying. Because it starts out with finding out about their upbringing, right? Yes. Which covers the whole story of the um the mother, yes. right? <laughs> and then uh, the mom dies, but then they bury her, and what happens? And then she unburies herself and kills the neighbor man who is their father. Right, but they don't know that. They don't know that, and he's very mean. Yes. But he seemed like such a big dad, but he's just he's the he owns Fortunato. Yeah, at that moment. Yes. Until the board decides, and then that's when um, uh, Roderick gets a new boss, and then so this story that um, because it's told uh, very much through the it's series of flashbacks. Pa- it's in four parts. It's in four parts. The first part is very, very short. Yes. The that just, just sets it up, and then you get like and that first part is something. just with the mother. Yes. You get twenty something Madeline and right. Roderick, and that's 
So there's about traversing three, the mail room. There's like about three stories that are happening at the same time. Yes. Because this is all told with the present storyline is uh, Roderick telling Dupine, Dupine about what happened because uh, Dupine is Dupine is desperately trying to get the confession from him because he's been after them for decades. Like yes. maybe five decades of his life. And then um I really of, do like that it wraps it up because the the current day is like the last moment. Right. Um which is spoilery. No. You can figure that out. Um, also if you're listening to a podcast about something, we're go- we're gonna spoil it. So the other two storylines are so that's the present day where he's talking to Dupine. Uh, spooky stuff happens in the house while he's talking to him. Which we don't know. Is it haunted or is it his um, rare form of dementia? Which is something that we find out just, I think, moments before he goes and talks to Dupine is that he is he has some sort of rare form of dementia. He has a limited amount of time left. Yes, he's trying to get his daughter, Victorine, to finish up her heart mesh cover and to. Um, move to human trials so that he can try it out because right. he feels his grip on reality fading and he's not okay with that. And then so the other two storylines that go on are yes. the the 20s like living through Madeline and Roderick as they go through the company and what they have to do to eventually become the CEO and COO. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roderick becomes the CEO Madeline becomes the COO um, and then the other storyline, probably the bulk of the story that's told, is the fate of each one of the Usher children. And it ties very much into that pact they made on New Year's. Right, which we don't find out until the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and part, part of the 20s one is this interaction with uh, both Madeline and Roderick have in their 20s with this character, Berna, who appears throughout the show um and meets each one of the children pretty much at their death yeah um she signifies like some sort of like angel of death or what what kind of i think what she's kind very of, much an agent of chaos like an because she of chaos. knows that something could have i think even if they went on to do great things she would have been fine with that. She just wants to see what people will do. I think she thinks that humans are, like, she just wants to see what they'll do. I, I, like, humanity is fascinating to her. Like a cat playing with like, a mouse. She could also be, like, luck. She could be fate. Like, it's not... Well, it also shows her with all of those... Yeah, throughout, yeah. People. So, But these are Trump. important people. Yeah, that's the segment I'll call fitting your tweets off. Mm-hmm. We're just explaining pretty much what what happens. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, to bring in the Edgar Allan Poe aspect of it, each one of the episodes features some sort of disaster that occurs. It's kind of like a nod. It's right. not like my brain was like, yay, this is kind of an anthology. Like, that'd be great. Right. But it's more like, haha, there's a black cat here. Right. There's a heart somewhere. Yeah. But it's not even under the foreword. So, like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, and we'll get to our critiques of it in a minute. Um, 
but you know each one of the each one of the family members are dying you kind of wonder why and at the end you find out that they made a pact with this verna uh character who symbolizes either fate or symbolizes like fully knowing death or, that their next generation is going to take it all all the generations yeah because even the next one yes uh which was probably the saddest death of the the granddaughter mm-hmm. um i was pissed yeah uh so well i do want to say that uh madeline and broderick each of the children come to them for their first sort of loan to start to make right. themselves and then in that way they're tied to them forever so that's how perry starts making his giant orgy party right and one of the things that you want to mention was the two of the kids um which is frederick his actual name <laughs> and um the most pretentious name uh tamerlane they are from the i mean the one Annabelle, woman, Lee. Annabelle Lee. And there's a big distinction because after the uh, events occur where the marriage breaks apart, uh, he goes on a like fuck spree, and he shots um, down fuck spree. Got it. And uh, he winds up having four more children. Knowing, knowing several right. Already knowing, knowing that he is dooming them, right? That their fate is sealed. That he that the deal is he couldn't wrap it up according well, to right. Madeline. Well, according she to got everyone, ID. everyone knows. Yes. Yeah. Well, one of the things we should mention is the deal that they make that you don't find out in the last episode is that they will be rich, famous beyond all their wares. They will not have a need for anything until the day that they meet their fate but once they meet their like once they are going to die all of their generations that follow also will it's perish. the fall of the house of usher the house of usher will be no more right it's completely done that even tracks even to the granddaughter so with that being said um there are four other siblings from four other parents i like that he acts all like I welcome my offspring with open arms. Right. That's a big deal because of the father mm-hmm. who didn't do that. Yeah. And treated them, you know, like they were strangers. He wants to, he welcomes them with open arms. And said, hey, till you're about 30, 40, 50, you'll be okay. Right. Well, Perry was younger, probably like 20s, early right, 20s. Right. And I'd say maybe 29 to 32 for um, Leo. Right. The others seem older. But right. Those two were babies. And so that's pretty much that's pretty much the plot of the of the show. Um now let's get into what did you think of it? What was your first thoughts? Okay, first thoughts and final thoughts are different. Right. First thoughts Good. we were kind of like, What are we watching? Why are we watching? Why do people like this? It yeah. was a lot of unlikable people thrown in a room, and we're like, I don't give a fuck. Well, like, what did this remind us a lot of? Um, succession. Right. But, you know, it's not succession. No. The um, writing is nowhere near as clever. Yeah. The post stuff is great. Um, 
Well, yeah, because like I get it. Case. This was a lofty project. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, right, right. We're not making excuses. I'm just saying. No. Um. So I'm thankful to say, as it went on, I felt that I liked it more and well, more. We're going back. I'd to the say first the aspect. turning point is yeah. the Black Cat episode really started to. Okay. Like, so what was what? What do you think were the faults for the first? Because I think the Black Hat episodes is episode three. I think it is something that a lot of shows fall prey to. Is no, it was they, episode four. I'm sorry. They know what they're going like. They know in game. They know what they're doing. Okay. It's just it's too much exposition without anything really going on. So you feel like the first three episodes were a little bit too slow. I yes. didn't really have that much substance to it. Okay, yes, because you. Why do we care? Like, yes, I, why do we care? And then, um, so there's an informant. So they put a bounty out. Oh yeah, that was the worst for plot. the informant. Um, big spoilers. There's no fucking informant, which I thought was the biggest cop out. I mean, I understand playing them off one another, but like, easily, like I feel like Tamerlane could have been the informant. Because she wanted to make things better. It could have been Tamerlane. Or even been... Freddy before he was a coke monster trying to kill his wife. Yeah. That's what Um, Or even <clears throat> Leo. I was say it could have been Camille. No, Camille is... Well, she was the one who was the, the she... Fox News... True, she had the receipts, but would right. she use them? Because she likes her well, she power. She used them against Arthur. Yeah. Posthumously. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, so so you felt I felt it was slow as well. I also felt like, um, I felt kind of gimmicky because like each episode had a character that they would kill off, and you really didn't get close to it. It also felt like a lot of yeah, it felt very procedural, and, and not a lot of substance and a lot of like flash. Like, hey, like what if we do something like, um make one of the sisters uh, or, or I mean one of the siblings one of the 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 kids what if they have like uh, a problem uh, like sexually where they need to have also they all uh, have sexual problems I'm, I'm getting and there. they they but, it was a very horny show but it was very much fixated on the women mm -hmm. and like their lack of being satisfied in their sex life where one of them had to sleep with their assistants like expectedly like so the, yeah yeah it was like the person who was like it was very much like, like a whore who also was my assistant right it's not like and so obviously like and then they with... fell in love which she was like you guys just have all ash right but uh, it, what i'm saying is it was kind of very much like a like a uh like a me too thing but like oh a woman is doing it how you know like yeah. how crazy is that so like it was very much like Oh, what if we do something but change it a little bit? But there's no substance to it. The same thing with the the Tamerlane who constantly hired like prostitutes to sleep with her husband, and, and then, then she it's would like watch. You're cheating. Right. Well, that's a whole you know yeah. the other thing. The other thing that I find um, then that Perry I, and Leo were just all out. Right. The other thing that I, I, I found a little bit upsetting about the first 
the first um, couple episodes is it felt like it was a show that got a lot of things from other shows that were popular and thought like, hey, why don't we just do like a recreation of it because other people like it. So it was very much like, like big on succession, billions. My brain keeps saying the Real Housewives of. Oh, yeah. Like, that's what it right. provides. And so, like, before you're even introduced to the characters or even shown what they're like. And before you think that I'm somebody who wouldn't watch those shows, I love Love is Blind, Ultimatum. I'm good with all of those. Um, This just out of what place. Was it? it didn't feel genuine. Yeah. And it really didn't hit its stride, uh, if we even want to call it that, until I think, you're right, the, the Black Hat episode. Mm-hmm. And then the episode's beyond that where like it establishes a little bit more of the past um and you kind of understand where they're coming from uh there's more investigation into who Verna is um i think that the stories are a little bit better like the stories that they borrow from from Mm -hmm. poe are a little bit better and a little bit more heavy-handed and have a little bit more poe's influence um like towards the end where they're definitely the cask of amontillado Mm-hmm. With the bricking in their boss and the with, wine, with the, the wine cherry. and the 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 jester hat, yeah. Um, so like those, instead of just being like light references, they're overt in a way that they're not even paying off. They're not just paying homage, but they're also like really um I, using it as part of the narrative. Yeah. A huge part of Madeline's character is she does not want to be subservient to any man. Right. And so she always tries to have that hand up over Roderick as well, and I think he resents her for it. Right. And we'll go, we'll go into character Which by does character. does show at the last final moment. And we'll go character by character in a minute, but I was just getting you. So you thought the beginning was slow, and then towards the end, how do you feel about the series as a whole? As a whole, like, I'd, I'd give it a C. Okay. Which, going in, I was like, this is failing. Like, right. <laughs> like, I think it had its moments. I do think it said a lot of good things. I know you don't like when shows say things, but I do. Um, That's not, I don't, I don't, sometimes I don't like when shows say things. It's just sometimes it's a little bit too, like, Oh, you're not being subtle here, like... Nah, some people need that, so I say it will do more good that way. Okay. So you like it when people, like... Yeah. Some people need to be beat over the head with it. Right. Like, bat signal their their messages. Um, so... Uh, yeah. I, I, I would probably give it closer to a C minus D. Not that I'm trying to, like, prices right you. Um... Because you said this, but it's just, uh, no, you just want to seem interesting. I get it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the reason why I'm edgy because I gave it a lower score. You're like, what's your score? Looking over my paper. Oh, slightly lower. Um, uh, because I feel like a C is average, and it felt, in my opinion, a little bit below average. No, I think some of those shots in the last few Visually, episodes will get it over that hump. I don't. That think is you fair. Could... That is fair. I think it's a least C. It's a least passable. But I think visually it was impressive, I think, towards the end. The story did start to firm up. Yeah. But I would still probably give it's it got more. Mark Hamill. <laughs> just give everything that Mark Hamill said just a better score. I do understand, though. Um, 
I'll tell you what I can do. It's my podcast. I can do whatever I want. Okay. <laughs> um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, Derailed. Yeah, <laughs> completely. Um, no, I think. I think what disappointed me overall was just how weak the writing was. Yeah, I am uh, the very... dialogue was weak. Yeah, the it wasn't lived in. It was very we yanked Poe, and now here it is. I do think Poe would love it because this show is so horny, and like saturated with booze and drugs. Like he would be like, "This is great." And it seems like that uh, one of their family members is into another family member at least half the episodes. <laughs> Not that Poe could relate. Oh wait, he could, literally. Incest. Well, I'm saying he could relate. Yeah, no. Okay. 14-year-old. Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just... He's got the writing chops, but not a good dude. Um, So, you know, I think that the the writing was weak. I think, the like you said, visually it was good. Some of the performances were good, like Carmen Duino was good. Bruce Greenwood was good. Uh, Always good to see Carl Lumby. Um... Uh, I like the granddaughter, Kylie Coran. Uh, and I like young Madeline. I think that she was really strong as well. I think the guy who played young Roderick. He was so flimsy, like a fish. Yeah. I kind of liked the actress who played Tamerlane. Yes. She seemed very non-faced by most of it. But it like, kind of like in a weird she unhinged. She didn't, like she, I still say they should have made her the informant. She's looking at her life. She hates her husband. She's like, I actually did this brand. You're a fuck boy. And the then, gold bug brand, right? Yes. And then... For um, built. Built uh, But she wanted to make something good. She wanted to show that they're not just pills. And, although there's, like, really expensive products. So it seems like a very MLM sort of, like... Oh, yeah, I mean, the rollout was very MLM. But she's still at least trying to improve things. Right. And while at the beginning of the show, I thought Victorine would be the most likable, she seemed very even-keeled, nice with her girlfriend, and then all of a sudden, she's one of the most evil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite death? I think I know oh, the answer. Oh, yeah, yeah, you already know. The, the Henry Thomas, the, yeah. pendulum. the pendulum was the best one. How about you? Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to go over the let's 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 remind the home audience what the deaths are. So, Perry, acid, acid, rave. Uh the Fortune. the ape, the ape, or the chimpanzees? No, the chimpanzees. Yeah. Kill Esplanade. The Leo with the cat. That was cool, especially because it was Sora's hammer given by Chris Hemsworth. I liked that little yeah, that was kind of shiny bit. Um, uh, Tamerlane and his husband. His, Tamerlane was the dumbest. His his boyfriend came home like the. Oh, I don't know why he went in there. If I came home and you're putting holes in every, like, the whole of our walls are just holes. I'm not coming in. I'm gonna go somewhere else. Lenore's was the saddest. It was so, like, I like how reassuring Verna yeah. was that she's like, well, she told her, you like, will go on 
supposed and she's like it doesn't bring me any comfort to see you go victorine stabs herself yeah that was um um i'm gonna go old roddy rod at the end Oh, with Madeline killing him? Yes, because it was very like full circle. Like, not ghost, but like zombie Madeline. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Really? Well, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not no, criticizing No, because I would say I really like the Pit and the Pendulum. That was fun. Yeah. And the Paralytic Nightshade. Um, oh, yeah. I think that was so well done. Uh, the most satisfying definitely was um, the Pit and the Pendulum. Because, goddamn, I remember you were like, he seems like a nice guy. And I'm just like. Well, he had to use the pliers. <laughs> he just had to use the pliers. I had just like a nice OD, but nobody got a. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones. That's all of them. Camille, yes. Um, Leo was with the cat. Yeah. Tamerlane was with the mirrors. Okay. I love the lead up to that death. The visuals of it was very cool. Mm -hmm. I just think it was like stupid. Like, but I think really... it makes sense. Like, if you were so fucked up, you're just like. But I just, I love Verna. She's great. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so let me ask you about some of the characters. Uh, I'm gonna start with uh, everyone's favorite. What do you think of the casting of Mark Hill for Arthur Pym? Mark Hill? Mark Hamill for Arthur Pym. Are we on the same show? Mark Hamill. Um, I felt it was an unusual casting, but I really enjoyed seeing him in that space. I'd be interested to see how he enjoyed it and like kind of read how that went. Um but it was really good. Like and I really loved that like I like to think that the Mark Hamill of it all influenced him to take his punishment right instead of just tempt because she at the end yeah she's he's, like she offers him um leverage but lev he says i don't have leverage. well no she offers him a get out of free jail card you could just take an extension i just want something of yours mm -hmm. and he explains to him my entire life which he explains from the very beginning they go on this like trek for the whole world um and he just is like this survivor like he you can't do anything to him there's no leverage anyone can have over him he decides not to have a family he doesn't have children because he doesn't want anyone to own him at any point in time nothing can be taken from him so arthur pym does the taking that's it but i really really love that he just okay He's gonna take what came right. to him. So he's the only one. Although uh, Berna's quote unquote death was great. When he Dexter style got her in the neck, oh. wrapped her up, yeah. and then it deflates. Right. So good. But as I say that he's she, he's the only like adult that is like, Nope, I'm not messing with yeah. with your deals, man. Um uh, I thought, like I told you, I thought he was miscast, but I think he did the best with what he was given. And his character seemed the most real. And I don't mean no, that. I, I, don't, I don't, know. don't mean that in like not even most likely, just like the most lived in, maybe. Maybe, maybe he looked worn. 
he and Roddy, like Madeline still want to live forever, but. Yeah, I think it was a cool opportunity. It was really cool to see him in that role. I just feel like it was miscast. I feel like you need someone who's not, he's just such a warm and likable person. And it's weird to see him play someone who's so cold and calculating. Like, I'm wondering, at, like, did he enjoy that? Because it's such a stretch. Right. Like, he was Luke. Right. Right. But now he's gone to the dark side. Like, he's right. working directly for the dark but side. But it's not even like he's, like, Darth Vader. He's, like, Darth Vader's secretary assistant. Like, who's just so good at, like, knowing how to upkeep the Death Star so that they can keep blowing up planets. No, but, he gets like, his hands dirty a lot. Well... I mean, they're blowing up planets. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But um, I just—it's—I it, thought it was a weird. Part. I think that they try to do it because, oh, you wouldn't be used to this. Uh, what do you think of uh, Carl Lumby as uh, Dufine? Dufine. It was good. Yeah, I love his voice. That helps him and uh, uh. Roderick, Bruce Greenwood have just great voices, mm-hmm. so it's not bad if you ever hear them telling a story. You're mm-hmm. just like, okay, I'm engaged. Um, what'd you think of... You know, we haven't really talked about, so one of the big plot points is, yes, there is the whole acid uh, bath that is given to um, Perry Ethel. Yeah, Perry and his uh, orgy party guests, which includes... Frederick's, Frederick's wife, wife and mother, who doesn't die, but obviously she wished she did, has all the, you know, skin melted off of her. Um, so, and obviously, like Frederick winds up wanting to kill her, but oh no, very much worse. He does not want to kill her. He wants to punish her in the most brutal way, and then go back to. Right. A very fucked up marriage. So, um, I thought she was pretty good, uh, even though, unfortunately, a lot of her acting was just the eyes and the mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of Ruth Cod as Juno? Loved her. Yeah. Loved her story. She's a very interesting actress. And she I has like... a very interesting physical features. Mm-hmm. Um, but were we going to say her story? Yes, and I liked how hurt she was that. Like, he married her because she's the perfect receptacle of Ligodome. And right. she was like, what? Like, I thought you loved me. Right. He's like, oh, darling, I do. But, like, not in that way. He he just wanted to possess her and use her as an accolade. Well, it was the whole conversation they have. I think at the last episode, the second last episode, about Frankenstein and his monster. Mm-hmm. And how he viewed her as his greatest creation mm-hmm. and him Frankenstein. And she goes, no, 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 no. You're the monster because of what you've done to this world. Yeah. Um, and then he goes and lies to Lenore about her. Yes. So Lenore leaves this world thinking Juno sucks. Right. Although I, I really felt like she, she knew all the whole time. Like that. There's something, you know, like, mm-hmm. That that you can't really like calls to like they're nice yeah right um so what did you think of what do you think of Lenore's character um I loved her I loved how she was basically like go fuck yourself to like all the 
powerful men that could end her instantly. Especially her father, because she saved her mother's life. Her father, yes, but also Arthur Pym. I don't think Arthur Pym's been told no a day in his life. Right. Oh, yeah, when she did not change her story. To the... She's like, no, I will not be doing that. Yeah. Like, kill me if you gotta, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. Um, we also have, um, I coined Annabelle Lee as just a wet blanket character, <laughs> but, uh, what did you, what did you think of her? Did you have any thoughts or feelings? She reminds me a lot of Tamberlane, so I thought the casting was really great between there, because her and Freddie are the children of her, correct? Yes. So I thought that was good, um... And I like that you kind of get the, you're like, wow, those warm, warm, um, that warm woman, how could she have ever created such a thing? And that he poisons the children against her with his money and his power. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. Huh. What? No, I'm just curious as to... Well, I got something. Anyway, sorry, I was checking something else out. Um, Welcome to a podcast. We're podcasting. So today's um, on the fall of the House of Usher. Yeah. So this is Teresa and Mitchell. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I... You like the parallels between Annabelle, Lee, and Tamerlane. Mm-hmm. That's what you're just saying. Um, I I wish Annabelle Lee had a bigger character than just like she seems, which is something that most people do and things we like this. We only saw her in the kitchen, right? Yeah, I mean that pretty much perfectly explains it. She was in the kitchen. She's she an was accessory. always with. She was always with a child. Mm-hmm. We never saw her outside of it. And every single time that she appears, and Madeline does, Madeline all the time is just like dumps on her, like. It's just like, oh, you're you're just soft and sweet. Wow, I didn't know people like you exist. Meanwhile, you got to be cold if you want to make it successful. Like, yeah. I don't know. What did you think about the young counterparts to the older, like the young Roderick to the older? I mean, yeah, Roderick, and then the young Madeline to the older. I think they worked because Roderick is very. He, with the exception of, like, driving over barefoot, he never did any of his own real dirty work. He's very detached, and Madeline is very calculating. Pulling the strings. Calculating. Right. So she always took charge, so he, it was to his benefit to kind of be meek. I feel like, yes. And I think we're seeing towards the end him trying to say, no, I am not meek. That is not me. But he is very, he's a meek, meek man. Meek, meek man. Um, and I think that it's not necessarily that he doesn't want to do his own dirty work, but he, like, Madeline is willing to go to a place that he isn't, but he's a willing patsy. He's a willing, like, he's a patsy for his boss. He's willing to be the one to, he's like, oh yeah, sure. Like if it gives me a leg up in the world, he's willing to do that for his sister. Um, yeah, and I think it, I think it represents well in both. And when he first betrays, 
with the investigation saying those oh, are my yeah, signatures. Oh, yeah, Yes. Yeah, that's a big thing. And Madeline's the one that spurns that on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what did you think of the other siblings? Let's go each one. Victorine. Oh, I had so much hope for Victorine. But she is the worst from her trying to be like, oh, yes, you're the perfect candidate. Um, Yes, don't worry, the doctor will do it right away. Um, Just the Trying to manipulate her girlfriend to do it. But the fact that she's doing it all for daddy's attention, that seems a little weird to me. Like, I get that all of these kids, like, power was not given to them until Daddy gave it to them, but it seems so, like, very submissive and, like, going to the ends of the earth for somebody who barely paid her any mind, who, like, (coughs) even said that she, like, that he's he pit the siblings against one another. Like just imagine if they work together. I think he knows that they he would be no match for them together. Right. Like uh together they can conquer all divided they yeah. fall. And like she has a great girlfriend slash wife. I don't know their marital situation. Um, yeah, even so, in their relationship, that's great. She's manipulating her the whole time to do yes. whatever she could to appeal to Roderick. Um, yeah, I, I see that. What so about she is purely evil, like, there's no redemption arc for her. And I think one of the things about Victorine's character that I really... think she's the most like Roderick, hmm. but as I say, I think the thing about Victorine's character that kind of really is an embodiment of all of the characters is for the most part a lot of these siblings didn't seem like actual characters they seem like actual character types or characterizations so like you didn't really understand any of the real motivations or wants or desires of the characters you're just like Oh, uh, overly ambitious medical person who wants daddy's attention. Um, uh, druggy celebrity who is also a man whore. Um, you know, woman who's unsatisfied in her personal life, so puts it all in her professional life. But it's not like actual characters. I think that if we had gotten to spend more time with Perry, it would have gone there. Because he really... Well, was that was that to... Perry I was describing, or was that Leo? Perry wants... I'm just saying it. Perry wants what? Sorry. Out from under their thumb. Like, they weren't going to agree with what he did, so he wanted to do it on his own. Right. Um, And I firmly believe that Pim or somebody else knew and set that up. The acid thing? Yes. I don't think so. I mean, in the end, they were still responsible for it, but I feel like I feel like that oversight, they would have had that building watched. They would have... Well, Frederick was supposed to get rid of it. I know, but he's very inept, so yeah. I think they would have watched, and maybe they didn't do it, but they didn't stop it either. 
Yeah, and I think that's something. Well, that Roderick mentions very early on that he's the one who is responsible for all these deaths because he sentenced them to death years ago, mm-hmm. years ago. Um, like when they were born, he sentenced them to death. Yeah. Um. But I was I was just saying that, and before I interrupted you, I apologize. That's fine. Um, that I could have been describing Leo or Perry, because yeah. Perry, we're I mean we're introduced to Leo by him having oral sex with someone who's not his boyfriend, and then like shoving them out the door, and shoving them out the door. That's how we're introduced to him, and then that the Perry is introduced by. You know, constantly having orgies and and doing drugs, and Leo is doing drugs and supplying the drugs. So I'm just saying, it's not like it, it seemed very much like, oh, what's a druggy character type? Let's do that instead of like actually sitting down and designing the characters. I feel like the only people who really had full characters were Madeline, Roderick, and possibly also Dupine. What about Victorine? No, I I think that's a that's a character type, a super ambitious woman trying to manipulate her way so that she get what she wants. Like, but it's you, not what she wants, or what her dad wants. We what well, she wants her his approval. But again, that's not like a character; that's a character type. Um. So moving on to the last couple of ones, what do you think of Tamerlane? That's the stupidest name I've ever heard. Is it pretty Tamarind? What are all the names we came up with? Bunch. Do you know any of them? No. Probably just versions of Tamar, like Tamarino, Tamarine. Tambourine was one, yeah. Um, Tammy Mammy. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, fucking stupid name. Um. So what about the character? Um. Did you like the, like, the, because I feel like episode by episode, each one of the children, because there's, there's Fall of the House of Usher, because the House of Usher is, I mean, falls apart at the end. It really falls. Uh, but it's also Fall of the House of Usher, because every single one of the characters fall to their fate, which is their death. Yeah. But also, it is a study into their own life psychosis and each one dies because they get gradually more insane and each one gets more insane than the previous ones in my opinion yeah i guess like the only good thing i can really say about those characters is death was like a reprieve none of them were happy yes especially when they get to the state just before their Mm -hmm. death but they thought they they had everything why aren't they happy well i was gonna say i liked with tamerlane the whole her being so sleep deprived that she's not knowing what's imagining there are these conversations that are not happening. Like when she was drinking coffee, there's no coffee. She made right. the kettle, there's no kettle. Or the, the various times that she's talked to her estranged husband. By I that love, time. oh yeah, when she was talking, the key is just on the counter. Right. Like, or when she's giving the presentation. And then the video starts playing, and then she just. She loses it. Juno and but like... you know, the, the video was not the video she saw. Mm-hmm. It was like it was just regular, but she was imagining it. Yeah, poor Juno. <laughs> Whack. Um, 
So I did like that. That was kind she of a cool didn't idea. Feel it because she's on so much Ligodon. There you go. Um, but she gets off it by the end. That's one of the yes. Good job. So Juno and um, Lenora's mother. What's her name? Oh, um, Morella. Morella. Yeah, they're the only ones who really survive it. They um, survive it, and they enact so much good change. Yeah, they survive and thrive. Millions. Honestly. Yeah. Both of them affect millions. In positive ways. Yes. Uh, what did you think of Leo? Leo was charming. He's the rapscallion. Yeah. Um, he can handle his drugs. He's, you know, good with men and women. Um. He was almost like the. He also like, he was the most moral before he became totally fucked. Like, and I don't think that sex and drugs equates morality, so we can talk at length about that. But <laughs> um, yes, he likes to escape because his family's fucking terrible. He likes to have fun. He likes to feel good. Who among us don't? Um, but he. Once you knew he was losing it, like, he would never call a cat a cunt. Like, he's... That's, the, that's what they said. I know. You just need to hear that every day. Okay. Um, what was I going to say? I like the actor who plays him, Rahul Kohli. Um, because, like, he was in the... I know he was in... Um... What was the vampire one? Midnight Mass. Mass. As the cop. Oh, yeah. And uh, the town was terribly racist. Right. Uh, he was in Blind Manor as, like, the manservant butler guy. Um, I just like, like, I think he's a cool actor. I like anything he does. Um, I think it was interesting because I feel like he was almost like a Gen... gen um, not Gen Z. He was like almost like a millennial representation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like some of the other characters are millennials too, but I felt like he was really like obviously Perry is your Gen Z, one hundred percent like the yeah. way he is, and then Leo's kind of like, hey, I'm kind of like your, like the way that their relationship and a lot of them had relationships through Leo, like Tamerlane confided in Leo. Perry went to Leo for drugs. Also, uh, so did Frederick. So, like, he was almost like their most approachable one. Yeah. And it's almost like as soon as he, like, as soon as his death occurred, and he actually was grieving his sister's passing right. and his brother's passing. Right. And that was one of the thing, my biggest criticisms, which I'll get to at the end. My biggest criticism about it, actually, I'll probably say it here, is I wish that there was less siblings. So there are more time for grieving or more time to make sense. Or it's cut. Who gets cut? Oh, uh, for sure. I'd probably cut uh, Victorine, Perry, probably maybe Leo. Because uh, I think that the whole plot line where Roderick slept around with as many people as possible to get four new children that didn't come forward until I think that that was kind of. I don't know what the point of that was. Um, I think it's really to show just 
the lack of care and empathy that he has that he would make more just for the fuck of it. But I feel like that there was so much already to show that that there was almost no point. Um, but yeah, I that's through all of our characters, and we go back to Roderick and Madeline, which I don't know if you have anything more to say, or Verna. I think that the Carla Juino performance was amazing. I thought that I loved what was your all of her different Verna moments. I mean, it's so like it's it's still the, the the death of Henry Thomas, the Frederick. Oh, we forgot about Frederick, Freddie, Frodrick. What did you think of Frodrick? I hated him. I know. He died. I hated him from the get though. I did not. I thought he was one of the the one of the more redeeming ones because of how good his daughter was, and it seemed like he wasn't so much of a jerk about with his wife. But yeah, uh-huh. he was he was horrible. But oftentimes that's how uh, people are. Yeah, the nicest seeming people yeah. are the most. He was definitely hashtag horrible. nice guy. Yeah, nice guy. TM, just take my my uh, wife's teethies and yeah. Um, I think it was kind of cool with Verna. Sorry, uh, not to cut you off. Who's wants anything else about the, the teethies? I liked when Verna was the cat and had her eyes out. Oh yeah, that was creepy. For a moment, I thought maybe there was a cat. Um, I wasn't sure if like he replaced the cat and then antics, but it was like just straight up, that's a fake cat. You're fucking nuts, man. Yeah. And like I was like, when they showed the clean bathtub, I was like, okay, all right. Oh yeah, that was like cool. Cool I review. thought, but like I was like maybe cool not. Um, so I have pet rats. We do. And I could do without dead rats. Yeah, I know that's a sensitive thing for you know. Bring the people on, but no, no dead rats. Um, I like one of the things I did like is that she knew what would have been their um fate. Oh, if like, they didn't like, make that like pact. he would have been a dentist. Right. And a really and a good, good one. one. Yeah. But um, he would have known what yeah. their she knew what their fates were. And it really didn't come about nice until touch. later. It was really cool. Like those sliding doors, those that that like reflecting back at them. Like, oh, you know, like it's too bad. And a lot of it was like um Again, the father sealed their fate so they couldn't do anything, but also how they chose to live their last moments. Like the same thing that with, um, what's her name? Les, uh, Camille, where she's like, oh, I could have just, you know, done it when you were asleep. You don't have to be here. Yeah. But because she just couldn't help herself. And, and that, that was something all of them. that was all of them. They could not help themselves. If, if they thought, something else would give them the leg up that's where any of them they would take it right and that's very much that roderick influence right nurture versus nature it was there right lenore doesn't have that no i was hoping there would be a loophole like geez, yeah i know second. that was one of the decisions i did like because they didn't it would have been so easy to be like oh well it's not the same and it's you know but i like that they like went through and yeah a character that actually was neutrally good and likable was also 
a result of this decision that was made years ago that was out of her own thing. I want to just do one segment real quick in which um, just some of the references that I, I've gathered up from um, mostly IMDb, but also just the internet. So like half-assed internet research here about some of the Poe references. Uh, so obviously one of the, the biggest one is that Verna is an anagram for the Raven. Um, no, just Raven. Yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. For the, the Raven character, um, obviously the... Let's talk about that Nevermore text at the end. Oh yeah, that was so great. With the which AI. is the proxy of Lorraine, so she's technically... Lenore. Lenore, yeah. yeah. Which was also... Po- it's fine. <laughs> Raven and Lorraine, Lauren, Lenore. Okay, so, yeah. It just, it's, it's yeah, rhyming. Yeah. So obviously, Lenore is from also the same poem. Uh, there's also poems, like, listen, Annabelle Lee. I've got my big old uh, poem anthology down there. I'll read one out if we gotta. <laughs> uh, there's also a poem for Tamerlane. I love the Annabelle Lee like, poem. Gem, I know. Like, just yeah, that's a good one. It's beautiful. One of my favorites. Yeah. Like the lost love, right, and the mirror and everything, and just the cadence of it is it's gorgeous. Very... Yeah. Um, Perry is short for Prospero, who's the main character in the Mask of the Red Death. Uh, Fortunato Pharmaceuticals is reference to Fortunato, who was character in the Casco Montiano. Frederick is the protagonist of a short story called. I'm going to try to say this as much as well as I can. Metzengerstein, which is a satire of Gothic tales. August Dupine and Madame Lespinel are main characters for the murders in the Rue Morgue. Arthur Pym is a reference to the only actual full-length novel that Edgar Allan Poe wrote called The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket in which the character travels the oceans and lives through shipwreck, mutiny, and cannibals which is reference to mm-hmm. Arthur Pym's character in the show. Um, there's also reoccurring characters like John Rufus Griswold, William Longfellow, and John Neal, which are named for three of Poe's fiercest critics. And they are all played by people who are enemies of the Usher family. Obviously, the Black Cat. Black Cat is also in there. Telltale Heart. The Fall of the House of Usher. The Telltale Heart. Um, But yeah, that's. And then there are several times where specifically something is read from. One of his works, like, for example, uh, when they read uh, the poem of the Raven, where he does the whole uh, Once Upon a Midnight Dreary. Um, so there's one other. Oh, The Gold Bug is a short story about pirate gold uh, through a hidden message on a scrap of paper. And then, uh, finally, one of the other things, too, 
is the bar that they go to to meet uh, Verna has a whole bunch of like outside of time and space. Well, yeah, the the but it has a whole bunch of like there's a raven at the bar. When they go to revisit, there's a raven that's constantly perched above it. There's also a black hat in the bar, but there's also just like certain yeah, the raven is Verna's calling card. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think. Oh, one of the other things that um, the uh, sermon that's given in the beginning of the first episode about the children who died uh, is an excerpt from one of Poe's short stories called "The Imp of the Perverse." Those are all the ones that I found just doing some internet research real quick. Now, if you're just recognizing in it. reading Poe, guess what? Free everywhere. You can buy things all nice and pretty. Which is great. But the time has passed and you may read any of his works. Right. Go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, anything online. You can read it to your heart's content. It's called that heart is beating from the floorboards. Yes, or like in the next room, because of course she didn't have floorboards. I guess that may be my biggest critique of all. How do you not have floorboards? Yeah. Um, are you? Where do you rank this with? The- so I can't accurately say for why. I've got to give it the old full college try. Um, go watch all of it. Okay. Um, Haunting Hill House Spectacular. Yeah. No notes. Yeah. Um, we will go through that and give us a very nice, warm uh, review. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, highlight moments. Um, Midnight Mass was great until the end, but still yeah. overall, it was still really, really good. Agreed. Um, have not finished Midnight Club. Um, so it would be. Um, Haunting Hill House at the very tippy top, and then maybe like ten levels under Midnight Mass, because those are the two we've actually finished. Yeah. And then when I've when we've gone back, we can. Um, I've heard Bly is really good, and I think now that we've seen um, The Innocence and some of the other older movies that it's pulled from, right. that we'll find a lot more to see in it. Possibly. Um, I can confidently say that this rank would rank third. Oh, yes. I haven't gotten to this yet. Um, I I still have a lot of hope for the nightclub. I know it's a younger, excuse younger, but I just, I liked it. Um, and then Bly, like I've heard good things as well. So, all in all, I wouldn't be shocked for this to end up at number five, but it's not failing like we thought it would be at the beginning. Right. It definitely picked up. It was slow at the beginning. Um, I definitely say, like, if you do have a good eight hours to kill, uh, especially during spooky season, I would recommend it. Um, it's not a hard watch. It's, it's not. Gory. It goes by pretty quickly. Don't watch it with your family. No. It's just- don't do the that. language is pretty strong, as evidenced by specific quotes from the <laughs> uh, show that was requoted on the podcast. But um, 
And it is very gory. Like, it is... Just very sexual and, like, weird sexual, not, like, normal sexual. Fucking shame. <laughs> um, we'll see. But I, I, I would confidently put it third. Yeah. I like, obviously, same as you, that's to be the same rankings. Haunting of Hill House. I think it was a masterpiece. I now, think. is Midnight Mass based on anything, or is it his own creation? I don't know. I have to look it up. Well, we'll find that out next time on a podcast, but not really next time, because we've got some other stuff to do. Tell them what we've got in store for them. Um, well, I know we're planning on this weekend releasing a podcast that deals with the third trope and fourth trope, which will be on creature features and supernatural horror. And so we'll break down some of our favorite ones from those categories. Or have a breakdown watching them either way. Yeah. Some of them are pretty intense. Um, before you even get there, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil a couple tropes. Blood and green goo. That has been a steadfast companion of these films. Yeah. True. So yeah. A lot of blood. Um so if you like The Exorcist, The Descent, what else have we covered? Evil Dead. Evil Dead. Um, The Fly, The Thing. I think that's all we've watched now. We've got some, some work to do ahead of us. Some work, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'd love to have you there. And then join us for our first annual horror movie draft be exciting we're gonna to try to get a couple of uh guests on the podcast yeah mitchell's gonna use his immense sports ball knowledge to facilitate this draft and yeah it's gonna be mighty fun and in the next say day hours week after that no longer than that i'll have all of our graphics up for you so you could save it next Halloween when you're looking for stuff to watch. Yeah. You got a we'll, quick little list there. We'll build up a really good list. We will we will have covered thirty four movies, not including whatever comes from the draft. Right. And I'd yeah. say that's formidable for the month of October. That's more it's than at least one, one movie a day. A day. Yep. It's pretty we impressive. We got math. We did. <laughs> Podcast math. Do you like girl math? No. Do you so, like girl dinner? Oh. It's podcast math. Okay, podcast math. Um, so that's all of my thoughts on House. I mean, House of what are we talking about here? The Fall of the House of Usher, and you guys know what to expect in the I would say coming week. Yeah, October's. you're gonna get a bunch of rapid fire podcasts from us. Um, um and then probably going in November. This got us so. Probably in November, we'll start with some of the... Obviously, turkey-based films. We're going to start with some of the TV that we might have missed. Uh, so we're looking at you. Um, the end of Dogs. Reservation Dogs. And we will we're have a special at... guest on for that episode. Carmela Voyez. And we're looking at some of the stuff that... You know, Disney and Soka, Star Wars has been doing. Loki, Sexy Miss Minutes. Keeping up with that. 
So just um, don't kink shame me. I'm not kink shaming you. Disney, a multi-billion-dollar corporation, put Sexy Miss Minutes up there for a reason. Yeah, she really. That wanted. is a new interactive uh, ride at Disney. But you have to go in the back somewhere. All I want is a body. <laughs> I want to be your girl. What a crazy <laughs> episode, man. Yeah. Ten out of ten. Um. Also, our guy is in it. So, if you want to, okay, shout him out. Or Boris. Oh yeah, Obi. You Quinn is awesome. He's he probably the best part of the season. Everything. Yeah, he's so good. He's so good at doing like small exposition. Anyway, um, this has been fun. We were not sure. The best way to follow all of this stuff. Obviously, would be to follow us on Facebook. Teresa Stoddard, author, is where I'm going to go ahead and post all the podcast stuff. Um, you can also catch us on TikTok. I will put all of the information in the description of the episode because I did recently change the name of the TikTok and I want to see if that's reflected. So, you know what to do? Like, share, subscribe, follow. Also, keep checking Apple Podcasts. I had somebody try to submit it again, and hopefully we'll get there, because I know that'll be a huge boost. And that'll help us so, so much. Yes, it's free, it's fun. And so, uh, with all that, I did want to thank uh, the listeners again for sticking with us, even though we've been uh, not as consistent with the release of the schedule, because of just going through um, been sick almost all month. Yeah. So we appreciate those who are still following along. Hopefully, it gives us a chance, gives you guys a chance to check out our back catalog. Uh, especially since uh, some of our episodes have been going a little bit longer. Um, and uh, that's all for me. So thank you. I uh, hope you guys have a good week. Until next time, Teresa. Thanks so much. Stay spooky, and I'll see you guys next Tuesday. Or thereabouts.